Philadelphia Eagles minus nine at the Chicago Bears. 48-point total. Eagles 12-1 and one facing those Bears coming off their bye. Bears defense worst in the league in DVOA this year. Bottom four in both pass and rush. You expect the passing or running game for Philly to be better, uh, the better play this week? That's a million dollar question, isn't it? Because it's just like the Eagles are so multiple, they can attack you in different ways or even get there in both. I mean, last week we saw Devonta Smith get there, AJ Brown get there, Miles Sanders get there. And that was against the Giants, who were a poor defense. And this Bears defense is probably even worse. Jalen Hurts has averaged 27 fantasy points and either scored a rushing touchdown or gone over 100 rushing yards in each of his last five games. Miles Sanders, he had zero touchdowns last year. And then this year, the only running backs were more are Nick Chubb and Jamal Williams. He ranks first in DYAR, second in effective yards, second in success rate. So it's like, I just think you can't really go too wrong starting any of them. It will be interesting to see if Dallas Goddard can play. He's been... Mm -hmm deemed to return from IR. And I think if that happens, you probably have to temper expectations for Devonta Smith a little bit because his target share has really spiked over the last few weeks. So, but yeah, generally just start all of them. Yeah, I haven't seen any reports today. Yesterday I did see Goddard said he felt good. They were going to let have him go full speed today. So I have to keep an eye on that one. Then on the other side, the Eagles... Rush defense has been much better over the last five weeks. They're 18th against the run versus 27th in weeks one through 10. Is David Montgomery a good play with Khalil Herbert? He's out at least one more week. So it's the uh, David Montgomery show at least one more time. I think in season long and redraft leagues, I think you can probably start him. But just to expand on your point, over the last two weeks, the Eagles have had the fourth best run defense. Like So really now that Jordan Davis is back and we saw them bringing those free agent big signings, Like they've really clamped down on that weakness. And in DFS purposes, I'm not looking for a bring back. I'll just play the Eagles solo. It seems like every move, and they were talking about this on Good Morning Football today, every move the, the Eagles made this season in the offseason seems like has worked. One of those rare times where they haven't really busted on a pick, uh, and Dominican Sue, one of them, Jordan Davis, the draft pick. So it's been a good year for them. One thing on that uh, Chicago side, not a fantasy play, but a betting side, the Justin Fields rushing prop is at 68.5. He's over this in four straight. His passing prop is at 170.5 yards. So he threw for 254 against Green Bay last time out. It was under 170 and four straight prior to that. You think maybe Philly could make him throw to beat them and he can go over that 170 and a half and maybe have one of a, a better passing day, at least numbers wise versus success. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if this game, if the bears turn up and, you know, Justin Fields is playing like he was a few weeks ago, then it could turn into a competitive game and that could be the kind of environment which will help those kind of passing yards. Yeah, so Justin Fields, again, looking to come out after the bye, was playing really well there before. So uh, came back from the injury, had a really good, uh, a good game against Green Bay, throwing the ball. I don't see Philly having trouble covering this one. It's nine points. I like them to cover minus nine, even though they're on the road. Kind of a classic cold weather, too. Cold weather teams, Philly, Chicago, playing up there in Chicago. 48 points. I'm going to go with the over on this, too. I think Philly, against this defense, could score 48 on their own again like they did last week. Don't expect that kind of output necessarily, but I think uh, 48 is, is in play there, and I'm going to lean over. Yeah, same, same on all of those. All the way there, and that does it for Philadelphia at Chicago. Detroit Lions at New York Jets. This one is a pick em with a 44-and-a-half point total. I think this is a pretty good strategic matchup. Really excited for this one. Detroit, the ninth-best offense this year, their fifth-best in the last five weeks against that Jets defense that is sixth, the sixth-best pass defense this season. 
fifth best over the last five weeks. Any Lions receivers worth the risk on the road? It does seem really hard to sit or not play Amon Ross St. Brown, given just that monster upside every week. Yeah, and I don't think you need to sit Amon Ross. Like, Sauce Gardner doesn't tend to follow wide receivers. He tends to stay on one side of the field um, because partly he's got DJ Reader on the other side, who's also really good. Sauce Gardner also doesn't tend to travel into the slot very often. So I do think that if the Lions are clever about this, then they can keep him away from Sauce Gardner and it can be fine. I wouldn't be starting Josh Reynolds. I wouldn't be starting DJ Chark. Jameson Williams still feels like quite a dart throw, but maybe if you're playing in large field DFS tournaments, you can play him. But I don't think this one's going to turn into a shootout. I think this one is going to be slightly more low scoring. I think this is going to be a game which there's going to be a couple of good players, but I don't think it's going to be a points fest like we saw last week with the Lions. And what about the running backs there? It looks like Quinnen Williams for the Jets is on the wrong side of 50-50 right now. That Jets team, ninth against the run this year, but not having him would be a big uh, a big, big loss. They'd miss him a lot this week. Does that make Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift a little bit better plays in a tough spot? I think Machine's kind of come off Jamal Williams a little bit over the last couple of weeks because he hasn't scored a couple of touchdowns. So it might be an opportunity where you can play him because we know this Lions team probably will move the ball okay. And even though I'm saying it's going to be low scoring, if the Lions get close to the red zone, Jamal Williams probably will still be the first option. So I don't mind him in DFS. I think if you're in a position where you need to start DeAndre Swift, we've seen him establish this role where he's pass catching in the backfield and it seems to be fine. But yeah, it's it's not a matchup I'm wild about. And as tough as a matchup it is for those Lions wide receivers, it is a fantastic matchup for these Jets receivers. The Lions allowed wide receiver one and wide receiver 11 finishes last week to Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. They even let KJ Osborne finish as wide receiver 23 last week. So playing pretty much any of these guys, we know Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, I'm not sure if he's going to play, but um, if any of you guys that's starting basically, it seems like you can probably play them. Yeah, and particularly the Lions really struggle against slot receivers. So that's an area I'll be targeting. Elijah Moore is very cheap again this week. He's only 3,600 on DraftKings. And I think six times this year, the Lions have allowed 16 or more PPR points to receivers who've played the majority of their slaps in the, snot, in the slot. Since returning to the starting lineup in week 11, Moore's been in the slot on 66% of his snaps. So we can definitely aim to target that. I think, like, I'll probably stay away from the Jets running back. So like the Lions have allowed only four running backs to score more than 15 PPR points against them. And none of them have done it since week seven. So since they're by, they've been really good against backs. Yeah. Another Minnesota preview that we did, we mentioned Dalvin Cook had 15 carries for only 23 yards, though he did manage to sneak in the end zone. So really tough there for those Jets running backs. What are your game picks here? We got Detroit and New York and a pick them. Basically, we're just picking the winners here and then 44 and a half point total. I think I know where you're leaning here, but what do you like? I'm going with the Jets. Seems like they're rolling at the minute. As long as Mike White can play, I feel fairly confident in it being the Jets with the Lions being a poorer team on the road. Their offense drops from, I think, their top five, maybe in DVOA, but drops down like 15th when they're on the road. Yep. And then at 44 and a half, it sounds like you probably, from what you said, you probably leaning under there, right? I'm just going on the over, just okay. squeaking on the over. I think if it was. If it was 46, I'd probably have gone with the under, but I think, yeah, somewhere around there, very close. And I was looking forward to saying I'm right there with you on all of them this time, but I did go Jets to win this one at home. I think the defense, the difference there and playing at home, but I went under 44 and a half. I think they're going to limit 
uh, Detroit quite a bit. And Detroit, that defense has been better. So I don't, don't expect the Jets to put up a ton of points, but like the under there. So that's Detroit at the New York Jets. Pittsburgh Steelers plus three at Carolina Panthers, 37 and a half point total, a low one here this week. Kind of a sneaky, tough matchup for Pittsburgh. That Carolina Panthers defense is sixth best in defensive DVOA over the last five weeks. That is opponent adjusted. They've had some not so great offenses they faced in there. So sixth best over the last five weeks. Are you trusting anyone from the Steelers this week, given what we've seen from them this year? I think this might be a Najee Harris week. Kind of like when I was going through my player pool and try to work out which place to write up. I almost wrote him up and I still in two minds. I might go back and add him into the article because since week nine, the Carolina Panthers have allowed 5.2 yards per carry, which is really up there. I think there's only two teams with worse than that. So I don't mind him. I think I'm probably going to stay away from George Pickens this week because that Carolina defense has allowed the fourth, fourth fewest deep receptions. I think it could be more of a game that suits Deontay Johnson. And I think last week when Trubisky came into the game, he was letting loose. He was playing like, you know, with no limits and they ended up in three interceptions. If he starts again this week, I feel like Mike Tomlin might rein him in a little bit more. Yeah, and on the other side, Chuba Hubbard ran really well last week against Seattle. Do you think, does that increase his value enough to play him in fantasy or does it more so take away from Foreman and give you some pause to playing Foreman? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, this Panthers team last week, they led the league in rushing attempts in week 14 with 46 rushes and they turned it into over 200 yards. So it was a day where everyone could get there. I know I was sweating on Don to form and overs and waiting all game for him to finally get over like 63 yards. Foreman still had 46% of running up running back opportunities, which was a slight dip from his average of 60. And yeah, Chuba Hubbard, he did look good. He ran 14 times for 74 yards, so he probably deserves a little more play. I'm not sure if it's enough where I'd be willing to start him in season-long leagues, but I think in fantasy purposes, if you're looking at DFS, then he's probably just about okay. Yeah, and even uh, I think it's Raheem Blackshear. Even he got into the end zone and had some work there. So a lot of running backs getting some action there for Carolina. Uh, Carolina is a three-point favorite at home against Pittsburgh. Again, very low total at 37 and a half. I, I say this is an easy pick, but there's never an easy pick. But I was saying under 37 and a half. I just don't think a lot of scoring there. Both defenses have been really good. And I, I'm going Pittsburgh to cover, but I think Carolina wins at home. Sitting there at three, I think this is a very close game. Could even push, uh, but I'll go uh, Pittsburgh covering Carolina win. I've gone with the Carolina side, like we kind of briefly talked about. It's the running game for them. Yeah. We saw the Ravens completely run it down the neck of Pittsburgh last week and they had no answers to them at all, even though they knew that's what they were going to do. And I just think Carolina can probably grind out a win through just running the ball at the Steelers, even if the score stays, yeah, quite low. And that does it for Pittsburgh at Carolina. Kansas City Chiefs minus 14 at the Houston Texans, 49.5 point total. We had a huge game from Chris Moore last week with Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins out. How are you playing Chris Moore this week? Yeah, I think he's definitely in play. I mean, his price has gone up slightly. I think he's around 4,000 on DraftKings now. It's not quite as good as when you were getting him for 3,400. He's been a special teams player for most of his career. I think he's been in the league six, seven years, but he's had 40 or more yards in four of the last six games. So the 124 yards he had last week were a career high. This is, it's very much, this is an unusual situation for him to be in but we kind of have to trust what we've been seeing. It doesn't sound like Brandon Cooks is going to play this week. Nico Collins is still banged up and dealing with injuries. 
And we know this Chiefs defense, they give up points to uh, wide receivers. I think in the last four games alone, they've allowed nine passing touchdowns. So they're not exactly a scary defense. They get themselves into situations where the other teams have to go pass heavy. And Chris Moore seems to have the trust of his offense. You know, on the Kansas City side, there's really you almost can play anyone you've got. You're not really sitting anyone. But want to look at their backfield. Isaiah Pacheco is still the lead back there in Kansas City. But Jarek McKinnon had a monster game last week. Can we trust him on a week-to-week basis, or do you think that's more matchup-based only where this probably isn't a good matchup for him? Yeah, there was a few reports out from around Kansas City this week. The, the team sees McKinnon as their most trusted running back. So in close games and in negative scripts, I think we're going to see a lot more McKinnon like we did in the playoffs last year. We're going to see a lot more of him over the next few weeks. But this game isn't going to be that. This is going to be one where... You know, as long as the Chiefs don't do what the Cowboys did and let the <laughs> Texans hang around, this should be Pacheco. I mean, he's had, uh, he's averaged 14.7 PPR points over the last three games. He's been a top 16 RB each of those weeks. And amongst running backs with 100 attempts, he's now fourth in success rate. So he's running really well. And I think in a game where the Chiefs should be up and should be just grinding the clock away, this could be a Pacheco-friendly one. Yeah, and you mentioned those Cowboys uh, letting them play it close. They failed to cover that big spread last week that I think was 16 and a half when we did our show. I don't see the Chiefs having any trouble. I trust Patrick Mahomes and company a lot more. I think the Chiefs cover minus 14 uh, could be a uh, could be a lot more than that as well. And I like the over 49 and a half because Kansas City is going to put up points, and you mentioned they give up points as well. I think Houston's going to be able to do enough to get, get in the end zone a couple times and uh, push it over 49 and a half. What do you think? I'm going. I'm going with Houston to cover this one. I just feel like the Chiefs might not feel like they have to run up the score so much, and it you know they could easily sit on a ten point lead and just assault the game away. But yeah, obviously Kansas City to win it, and I'll go with the under. And that does it for Kansas City at Houston. Atlanta Falcons plus four at the New Orleans Saints. 43-point total here. The big news in this one: Desmond Ritter getting his first start. He is a Louisville boy. Where. Uh, we are located, at least where I am located here in Louisville, Kentucky. Also went to my high school, so I'm cheering for him uh, a whole lot this week. Hopefully he does well. But how does the impact this Falcons offense for fantasy purposes in your eyes? Uh, I feel like we're probably going to get a little bit more pass attempts out of him per game. You know, Marcus Mariota, he was running the ball a bit more often than perhaps Desmond Ritter will. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few more pass attempts, and I'd love to believe that's going to benefit Drake London. He's not expensive this week. He's around 5000 on DraftKings. We've seen him flash at times this season. It would be really nice to see him have a really big game, particularly against his Saints team. I know they should have Mar- uh, Marshall Lattimore back possibly this week. They're ranked 28th against wide receiver ones in DVOA. They've given up 8.8 targets per game and allowed 11 wide receivers to score 14 or more PPR points. So. I'll be starting Drake London in a couple of places this week, and I feel like the situation should be okay. If you're somebody who creates a lot of lineups on DraftKings or other DFS platforms, I'm not averse to stacking Desmond Ritter and Drake London together and seeing how that pans out. Yeah, really unfortunate Kyle Pitts is out for the year and the way his season went in general that he's not able to play here with Desmond Ritter because having uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London would be great for the rookie quarterback in his first start. But that Atlanta defense on the other side, only 28th against the run this year. Alvin Kamara really set up in a good spot, especially with Mark Ingram hurt this week. Yeah, and it'd be nice to see something out of Alvin Kamara. I mean, he's only had one game where he scored touchdowns all year and he did score three in that one game. But aside from that, it's been 
tough sledding, really. And I know I've got him on a few best ball teams that have made the playoffs and I could really do with him putting in a performance. Lots of players have good performances against the Falcons, so I don't see any reason why he can't. I think Chris Olave is somebody who I really like this week. The Falcons have allowed the seventh most receiving yards this year with over 3,400. They've allowed six different wide receivers to put over 100 receiving yards in a game. We've also allowed four different wide receivers to have multiple touchdown performances. So even though Chris Olave had a couple of quiet weeks before the Saints went on by, I'm backing on him this week. Yeah, the Falcons only 29th against the pass. And go back to Kamara real quick. His uh, rushing line set at 58 and a half. I lean with the over on that. Again, you mentioned it hasn't been a lot from him. He hasn't hit this since week eight, but he has had some tough matchups in that span. All of his opponents are top 12 against the run. So a really good spot for him to to really crush that 58 and a half uh, rushing yard line. So could be a big one for Kamara there. Now the Saints and Falcons played all the way back in week one. This is our second matchup of the year. The Falcons still in play. I, got, I, guess, I think both teams are still in play for the division. Technically, that one is so close and so bad this year. But the Saints had that big comeback uh, win in week one. I do like them this week to cover the minus four over 43. Just going against uh, a rookie quarterback. I know Mike Tanier likes to says he's been pretty successful taking that team to cover, the rookie quarterback to cover in his first start. I'm going to go the opposite side, though, and just think that that Atlanta defense is not going to be good enough to hold up against New Orleans. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I just think, you know, again, going back to sort of other games we've talked about, there are just certain stadiums which aren't friendly for inexperienced quarterbacks. Um, the Superdome is just not yeah. one of those to be walking in there for your first start in a divisional game. So I've gone with New Orleans and I've gone with the under, though I think this one is not particularly pretty. Dallas Cowboys minus four at Jacksonville Jaguars. 48-point total on this one. A huge game from Trevor Lawrence last week against the Titans, but a much tougher matchup this week. One of his receivers, though, you really like this week. Think he's a little underpriced, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what more does Zay Jones need to do to actually get priced appropriately? He's still below $5,000 on DraftKings, and he's in the last three weeks, he's finished as a top eight wide receiver two times. The Cowboys' defense is eight best in DVOA over the last four games, but they struggle against wide receiver twos, allowing the ninth most yards per game to the position, and I think they rank 24th in DVOA. Jones, I mean, he's averaging 56 yards per game, and where his week will really hinge will be if he can get a touchdown on top of a decent yardage day. But at 4,900, I mean, it just feels like a smash, and you can correlate that with the Cowboys' side of it very easily. Yeah, but on the other side of that, Jacksonville, middle of the pack against the run this year, but 30th against the pass. So which pass catchers are your favorite on the Dallas side this week? It's going to be Dalton Schultz for me. He's 4,400, and he's been a top four tight end in three of the last five weeks. Um, Schultz has averaged 6.6 targets per game since the buy in week nine, and now he's facing a Jags defense that's 32nd against the position in DVOA and allows the fifth most yardage per game to the position, which is almost 60 yards. I think like over the last five weeks, the Jags ranked 31st against the pass, as you say. And we've also allowed four tight ends to score a touchdown against them. So I think you can book Dalton Schultz for a touchdown in this game. Yeah, Jacksonville also 31st on passes over the middle of the field, which is something we mentioned with Juju Smith-Schuster back in that game. But I think that's the game he left early. So didn't really get to see that. So that could also benefit not only Dalton Schultz, but CeeDee Lamb as well could be in for a big game. Seems like he does have a lot of passes or a lot of uh, targets over the middle of the field as well. Who have you got in this one, Ian? What's that? Who have you got in this one, Ian? So, oh, wait. Hold on a second. 
Say that again. Which side are you going with on this one? Oh, I had I had um, Jacksonville. Uh, no, Dallas. You just so, oh, so, <laughs> sorry, I wasn't there. Yet. I was waiting to. I I didn't do that well enough. I was kind of asking about CD Lamb as well. Oh, sorry, my bad. Go on, give us one second, and then let's. Uh... I thought I cut out for a second, and you thought I was saying the side. That's why I was uh, getting confused. No, that was my fault. I just completely uh, didn't didn't see. You're queuing me up. Uh, That's okay. Ross, that were that like I stopped and we had enough fall where he can just pick up on right there, right? Okay, sorry. Okay, right. Hey, first Three. first mess up after uh, it's after 14 weeks. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> okay. Three, two. Yeah, I definitely like CD Lamb as this as well this week. I think you know there'll be a lot of attention on this game, people helping it really turns into a shootout. C.D. Lamb over his last five games, he scored 38 points, 9.5, 17.7, 20.4, 20 and 8.3. So it's been a little bit of a yo-yo effect, but I definitely feel like this could be another one of those blow-up spots. Yeah, it could be a lot of points in this one, one of the higher totals at 48. Uh, Jags also, like C.D. Lamb, have been kind of up and down over their last five. They're eighth in offense over that span, only 28th in defense. I like Dallas to cover this one at just minus four, even on the road and over 48. Again, I think there could be a lot of points in this one, the way uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing recently. And then Dallas, we know what they can do against a, a defense like that. Uh, I've gone with Jacksonville to cover. I do think that Dallas squeaks it, but I feel like Jacksonville know that that division, the Titans mm -hmm. fall in and perhaps they could go, could win it if things go their way. Um, but I've gone with the under. I think it's one which feels like a bit of a trap game for points. Arizona Cardinals plus two and a half at the Denver Broncos. 36-point total here. We know Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore both on IR, leaving the uh, Kyler Murray with the uh, ACL injury, unfortunately, on Monday night this past week. And in come Colt McCoy and Greg Dort. So how does the veteran Colt McCoy, he's been a, a pretty good backup, a serviceable backup over the years. How does he being under center affect this offense for you moving forward? I think the one thing that we can really look to is that when he was in there for those three games that he's played since week 10, you know, obviously one on Monday night, James Conner was really relied upon. He had 23 PPR points or more in two of those games. He's likely going to be relied on even more. We've seen that they've just turned this backfield completely over to him. So I think you can start James Conner with confidence. I think Greg Dort will probably end up in the slot a lot now that Rondale Moore is on IR. So I don't mind that. I think it definitely caps the ceiling for somebody like Marquise Brown in terms of deep shots. DeAndre Hopkins probably seems fine because he just seems to see such a high level of volume. And a lot of his targets are that deep down the field. And then for Denver, uh, it seems like the smart play, and it looks like uh, what will have a Russell Wilson be out in concussion protocol. I think smart play would be to, to have him sit this one out. Are you shying away from just about everyone on Denver in a what would be a Brett Rippon or or and Jarrett Gorantano offense if Wilson is indeed sidelined? I think if Colin Sutton misses out again with his hamstring injury, then Je Jerry Judy's a fringe star. I mean, he's not going to score three touchdowns every right. week like he did, but one of them did come from Brett Rippon, so it's like it's not completely out of the picture. Greg Dolchich, since he made his debut in week six, he leads all tight ends in deep targets with 11. No other tight end has more than seven. So I kind of like that as a player. I'd be higher on it if Russell Wilson was playing. But we've been playing at tight ends against this Cardinals defense all season, and I'm not about to stop now. 
Yep, it's been pretty, it's been very successful. And you, before we came on, you said this one is ugly. I didn't even really want to pick this game. Uh, we have we don't necessarily have to, but we do try and pick every game. If Nathaniel Hackett can't succeed with Wilson, uh, I don't really like their chance with backups. Maybe Wilson's the problem. I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. But anyway, I'm going to go with Arizona to cover this one and win the game. I'm going to say under 36 because I don't like either of these offenses. And that Denver defense has been pretty good, even if they haven't been as good lately. What do you think here? Uh, I'm going the same, but I'm going over. I think the defenses could score 20 points each this week. <laughs> That's a good point. Defenses can always add to the scoring. It's not always the offenses there. And we saw New England score against Arizona. So uh, definitely in the realm of possibilities there. But that does it for Arizona at Denver. New England Patriots minus one at the Las Vegas Raiders, 45-point total. We know Ramondre Stevenson still not practicing as of Thursday as we're recording this. Damian Harris limited. Harris, I think, should be a good play here. But if both are out, who has the upper hand between Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris? We saw both of them in action. I think both scored uh, there on Monday night against Arizona. Yeah, and Strong had five carries to Kevin Harris's eight, but he was far more productive. He turned his into 70 yards, whereas Kevin Harris didn't have quite as much yardage as that. And Pierre Strong also had two receptions and Harris had zero. So I think you can see that the slightly higher value touches were going to Strong, so I'd lean towards him. I think, you know, if Jacoby Myers is back, he's somebody I'd be interested against this Vegas defense for just hemorrhage points and hemorrhage production to wide receivers. So... That's interesting. They're also weak against tight ends, so you could probably talk yourself into maybe playing Hunter Henry in DFS, but it's not somebody that feels very secure. But, yeah, I mean, I just don't have any faith in this Vegas defense. Yeah, and reminder, I mentioned reminder Stevenson out, really tough for a lot of fantasy players. Last week being the last week of the regular season, it actually helped me out. I I, uh, was in a three-way tie. We all lost for first place. But Ramondre Stevenson being out, I ended up winning the first, the number one seed by two points on the overall scoring for the season, points four. So I lucked out while everyone else really struggled there. But you mentioned the Raiders, Raiders defense, just not really trusting them. They have the worst pass defense in the league. So you mentioned Jacoby Myers. Could be a big day for Mac Jones as well. We saw him throw for a bunch of yards just a couple weeks ago. On that Vegas side, though, we saw Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro back at practice. Haven't seen any reports uh, yet whether they're expected to play or not. It's still early in the week and early in the day for them out west here as we're recording this. Any plays, though, outside of really Devontae and Josh Jacobs? No, really, no. I think, you know, maybe you can talk yourself into Matt Collins in DFS if Renfro doesn't play. But in season-long stuff, I mean, Waller and Renfro have been out so long that you've had to find other options, and I'd stick with them until you see them be productive. Yeah, not a lot to love there on the Las Vegas side. In general, we saw that uh, horrible meltdown and loss last week on uh, on Thursday night. So they've had a little time to rest up. They are at home. I do like, though, the Patriots to cover as one-point favorites, even on the road, and under 45 points here. That defense, I think, is able to slow down Vegas a little bit. Um, New England can, can put up some points, but still, I don't really trust that offense a ton. Uh, they got a touchdown from the defense last week. Uh, as we mentioned in our Arizona preview. What do you like on this one? Again, New England, one-point favorite. I'm going with Vegas. I think, you know, this is the Josh McDaniels game, isn't it? So it's like his chance to show that he can beat the master, Bill Belichick. And I just I quite fancy his chances, but just sneaky. It won't be by a big one, definitely. Um, But, yeah, I've gone with the over. Yeah, it's been a long time since McDaniels and uh, Bill Belichick have faced off. I don't remember if they did face off when he was at Denver uh, back in the day. So, uh, like you said, Master meets the student there on Sunday, and that is New England at Las Vegas. 
Tennessee Titans plus three at the Los Angeles Chargers, 47.5 point total. And we've got a fantastic matchup for Justin Herbert and these Chargers pass catchers who are finally healthy. We've been waiting for it all season, making that playoff push. Who are the best plays and values here against that Titans D that's been absolutely shredded by Jalen Hurts and Trevor Lawrence in back-to-back weeks? This is a game I'll be aggressively targeting this weekend in DFS. I mean, you know, last week was the first time that Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both started and finished a game this season. And we saw Justin Herbert had his highest passing total of the season with 367 yards. So now they're facing a Titans team that, like you mentioned, they're weak. Over the last four weeks, they've allowed back-to-back quarterbacks to finish as the QB one of the week. And I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Herbert does the same. I think we can start Keenan Allen. We can start Mike Williams. We can start Austin Eckler. We saw some Magic P. Ryan get there against the Titans a few weeks ago in the pass catching area of the game. Gerald Everett also was a positive matchup. The Titans defense allows second most yards per game to tight ends, and they allow six most adjusted fantasy points to positions. So really, start them all, stack yeah. them all. Loving them all. And this is, I mentioned it on one of our other previews. This is frustrating. I've got Justin Herbert in my home league. I'm on a bye this week, so I've got a lot of good matchups and my players are not playing, uh, which is frustrating, but still like him the rest of the year, has some good matchups as we go. But I do like him this week. When I when I checked this earlier, Caesars had him at 298 and a half passing yards. He was 301 and a half elsewhere. I like either of those. I think he's gonna have a huge day again. Titans allowed 368 to Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence last week, 380 to Jalen Hurts the week before. And you mentioned Herbert had 367 last week, he had 335 the week before. I like him to put up a big number, go over 300 yards there. For Tennessee, you know, the Chargers haven't been great against the run. Derrick Henry, always, you know, a good play. Had a big week last week after bouncing back or bounced back from a couple down outings. But pass catchers wise, Chagosi Mokonkwo has been a top eight tight end in consecutive weeks. But the downside there is Austin Hooper has been productive as well. So do these guys take away from each other too much to play them? Or given what is that tight end landscape, are they viable plays even with the split? I think a Quan Quo is somebody who's going to attract a lot of attention after last week where he did so well and he was a player that I played in a few places and I was really happy to actually hit on that one. It seemed like, you know, even though Evan Ingram completely stole all the headlines, Quan Quo yeah. had an 18-point game and I think he was tight end two or three that week. So I don't hate it. I think... Austin Hooper has shown that, you know, he's okay, but he's not as dynamic and they seem to be trying to get a Quanquo onto the field very often. A Quanquo's 3,100 on DraftKings. And I'd imagine he probably comes in around that sort of 5 to 10% rostered. And uh, yeah, I, I've got no problem playing him. I think particularly if you're looking to stack this game heavily and looking for a pass catcher, I'm probably going to stay away from Derrick Henry myself. I think he's going to be a very popular pick, but Everybody knows that the Chargers have been a weak run defense this year, but they've been getting healthier. And over the last two weeks, they actually ranked fifth against a run. So maybe it's not quite as perfect a spot as people are hoping it will be. Yeah, looking to get some guys back on that defensive line specifically. They had three guys out last week. uh, So getting healthier there, as you mentioned. And Okonkwo, in the middle of the year, he had some high yardage total or high for tight ends that aren't Travis Kelsey. He was there in the 40s and 50s, I think. But it was on, you know, one or two catches. He was very efficient with his touches. He's he's gotten, I think, five plus targets in the last two or three. So the the um, the the workload is coming more so than just being very efficient with it. So again, a good play there, like you said. Lucky enough to get him a week early and and maybe still on him this week. The Chargers look at the game to game picks on this one. Three point favorites. I don't think they have trouble uh, covering this one, especially at home. Minus three, I will take them right there all day. 
Um, I do like under the under here, 47 and a half, but just barely. I had like 30 to 17. Um, so I think this one could go either way. What do you think? I'm, I'm just signing on the over, but otherwise I agree. I think the Chargers win this one, and I feel that it's going to be fairly comfortable for them. Cincinnati Bengals minus three and a half at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 44-point total on this one down in South Florida. Tampa Bay got absolutely shredded by San Francisco last week. Tom Brady threw the ball 55 times for only 253 yards, was under five yards per attempt. Now, the Bengals aren't the 49ers, but they are the number 10 defense this year. So what are your thoughts, and uh, how do you feel about that Bucs offense this week against Cincy? I mean, the Bucs offense just feels broken. Nothing seems to be getting going there. You know, we've seen even when Mike Evans eventually does get the ball thrown to him and he's running three, called back for a holding penalty on what would have been like his first really big play in quite a few weeks. It's like Mike Evans hasn't been good for fantasy. His wide receiver finishes, I think he's been outside the top 36 over the last few weeks. So he's really hard to trust. I think you can trust Chris Godwin. He's been very reliable recently. Julio Jones just seems to be fading very fast. And at running back, neither Leonard Fournette or um, Rashad White are running particularly well. So I don't really want to play anyone on that side of the game, really, apart from Chris Godwin. I think it's a little easier to start Rashad White over Fournette. Um, White had way more uh, carries, but I think Fournette only had four. He did have seven targets, but White had five targets in a game they were down. So he's getting more of the workload there. It's easier to sit Fournette. The Rashad White, but like you said, neither one of them really playing great. On that Cincy side, we had a heartbreaker last week for a lot of people with T. Higgins, where Zach Taylor said after the game they knew in warmups they weren't going to have him, but uh, there was no report there, so he was locked in the lineups and, and didn't see the field. What about that Cincinnati side this week? Do you like who are the best plays there for you? I think I'd be fine starting T. Higgins. I mean, it was an unfortunate thing, but I think – you know, it was a little bit people getting carried away and being a little too emotional about fantasy football. When we just have to accept if we want to piggyback on these players' success, but we have to realize we don't always know the full picture. And so I'd go back to the well with T. Higgins this week. You know, it's not a bad matchup for him. Jamar Chase, obviously, he's starting. Joe Mixon, I've got a little hesitancy with him because before his injury, he was seeing a 77% of the Bengals backfield opportunities and that dropped to 57% last week. And Smadji P. Ryan, he played well enough during Mixon's absence to deserve a bigger workload. And whilst you're not going to bench Mixon because of it, he's not somebody I'll be looking to play in DFS this week. Yeah. And then the Bengals are on the road there. Three and a half point favorites, 44 point total. What are you, uh, what are your picks here on this game? I'm, I'm going with the Bengals. I just think, you know, their top four D, uh, offense in DVOA at the minute, and they're just rolling. They're just ready for the playoffs, and the Bucks, they're just not. They're just a bad team right now. Yeah, I can't quit the Bucks for some reason. I, I I do think the Bengals win, but I think Tampa keeps it close there at home, and they cover like a three-point game uh, maybe. And I like the under 44 there. The Tampa defense is still pretty good. Aside from last week, they've been playing really well. Uh, or pretty well for the most part recently. So I like the under 44 there to hold Cincy a little bit, but Cincy wins this one, uh, but it's close. So that does it for Cincinnati at Tampa Bay. New York Giants plus four and a half at the Washington Commanders, 40 and a half point total. Now these two teams tied the last time they played just two weeks ago. That was Washington's last game with them coming off of their bye from week 14. All the big names really had good games. Terry McLaurin had a huge game. Daniel Jones had a big game on the ground and uh, had a, a touchdown pass there as well. I think I had exactly 200 yards. It is a Sunday night football game, so it's a standalone game. Who's your best captain play? What do you like from this one, if anything at all? 
Yeah, it's just, you know, this is a game that should have been flexed out. It shouldn't be a Sunday night football game at this point in the year. But the Giants third in run defense DVOA over the last two. Um, third worst in run defense DVOA over the last two. They allowed the 10th most fantasy points to position. So I think you can start Brian Robson. You can probably start Antonio Gibson as well. I do quite like Richie James. He's been somebody who's been quite reliable lately. I think he's had three top 22 wide receiver performances in his last four games. And even Isaiah Hodgins, he's had touchdowns in back-to-back games. So we need we know the Giants need people to step up, and they've been doing so because Saquon Barkley has been really poor. Like last week, he came in as a game-time decision at a season-low 11 touches for 48 yards. And it's been weeks now since Barkley looked like himself, and he's not somebody I've got a lot of confidence from right now. Yeah, had a decent game. I think the last time they played Washington, got in the end zone, I believe, but wasn't a great game by his standards. I had like 60-something yards on the ground, I think, against a tough Washington front. So, uh, really, like we've mentioned it a couple of times. You've said he just looks tired coming into the season, looking really good and fresh and just doesn't look as good. Uh, can't Hard to sit him if you're in the playoffs, but uh, tough to expect a big game. But you never know. The crazier things have happened. Now, since that loss to Seattle before their week down by – through the Giants, 24th in overall DVOA, 18th on offense, 28th on defense. And you mentioned some of the numbers from them even the last few weeks. I give the edge to the Commanders at home to win this one. But the Giants cover four and a half in a divisional game. They just played each other very closely, I think, is a lot there. I think this could be just a three-point game. And exactly 40 points last time out with that 2020 tie. I'm going to go over 40 and a half. I think there is just a little bit more scoring here. What do you like for Sunday night? I'd just lean slightly more towards Washington's side of things. I think with it being at their place, with them coming off the bye, they'll just be that little bit more fresher, a little bit more well-prepared for it. And I think, yeah, they can edge this one maybe six points or so. Um, But, yeah, and I've gone with the over as well. Los Angeles Rams plus seven at the Green Bay Packers, 39-and-a-half point total. One of a handful of games under 40 points this week. Now, for the Rams, Cam Akers has seemingly taken over that lead role again after everything that's happened with him in this Rams backfield throughout this season. Is he a good play against the Packers defense? They are dead last against the run this year. Yeah, and exactly that reason, as you've said, it seems like, you know, the Rams really want Cam Akers to take this role as much as he can. They've given him so many opportunities. He's had like season high in touches at various points. And then last week, it was a little bit of a reduction. But I think that was because they were in a situation where they needed Kyron Williams to be the pass catching running back at times. And, Maybe this happens again. I've not got much confidence in the Rams this week. I know Baker Mayfield came in there and did a good job. But I think Sean McVay's really struggled in cold weather games over his career. I saw a stat earlier that I think he's only won one game below 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's like, it doesn't bode well for him. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Rams got beaten up by the Packers in their place in the playoffs a couple of years ago, maybe. it's like, So I just don't have a huge amount of confidence in them. And I feel like the Packers coming off a bye are really going to be at a stomp on them. Yeah, the Packers got the win. I think it was the divisional round two years ago and then got out to the big lead last year in Green Bay. Uh, both teams were were really hot last year. Green Bay got the win there. Ended up being a little bit closer late in the game. I think it was still a two-score win. So they've done really well against the Rams there. And on that Packers side on the offense, looks like it's going to be the first game since I think week two where they've had all of their receivers healthy and on the field together. The Rams are 31st against wide receiver ones this year. So Christian Watson may be the best captain play for Monday Night Football. If you could really I imagine he is the wide, or seems to be the wide receiver one there now. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, the Rams are 28th against wide receiver two. So it's basically start whichever pass yep. catches you want from the Packers side of things. So 
I don't hate Alan Lazard being involved either. Christian Watson, maybe we see Romeo Dupes game, it, but I think that's the way to attack this one. To assume that the Packers pass catchers are going to run up the score a little bit and uh, really roast the Rams. Yeah, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I had Alan Lazard there as maybe kind of an under the radar play with uh, Christian Watson being really popular there. We uh, our football outsiders can't put out a tweet. I don't know if I can if I have it up right away. Can find oh, I do. Over the past five weeks, the Packers had the sixth highest offensive DVOA in the NFL. So in our staff picks at the beginning of the year, I said you know Green Bay was my Super Bowl pick, kind of a homer bias pick, but I said they would kind of click late like the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks did a few years ago. It looks like the offense is playing well, but it's uh, probably going to be too little too late. Don't expect them to make it to the Super Bowl, let alone even make the playoffs. But <laughs> those pass catchers have a really good matchup uh, this week, and Aaron Rodgers, I think, is one to prove. He's still got a little bit left, especially coming off the bye. And looking at the game picks on this one, the Rams plus seven, seven-point underdogs on the road. Green Bay got that big winning in Chicago last time out before the bye. I'm going to go with a biased pick and say the Packers win and they cover. Kind of bold pick there, but the Rams, you mentioned Baker Mayfield did well, but they still weren't good. <laughs> I mean, they had 10 points until the last, what, 12 seconds left when they scored the game, the game-winning touchdown there. So I don't think there's any Baker magic. He did have a, I guess, kind of an up-and-down game against the Packers in Green Bay on Christmas last year. Uh, had four interceptions, uh, had a lot of yards and a couple touchdowns, but wasn't great. So I'm going to say uh, Packers cover win under 39-and-a-half, though. The offenses, as well as Green Bay's played, um, I don't know if there's going to be a lot of scoring from either side because they've looked really bad at times too, even over the last few weeks. Yeah, and no, I'm right there with you. I think last week was much more about how bad the Raiders' defense is more than the Rams' offense being particularly good. So, you know, they did do well. They got a little bit of magic, but I don't think that's going to be repeatable in Lambeau.